0: Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk, and welcome to Life on the Farm. Welcome back, everyone, to another week at Life on the Farm. It is the end of my fourth week of my ICU rotation, and I am back in the ICU full time after having been in transitions of care the week prior. I am so excited to share with you all, just jumping back into things. I got to see my med school friends yet again. I also met new med school friends, which is awesome because I now started in ICUD for the first time. And so I split my time between there on that floor and getting to know that staff, which was awesome, as well as returning to the floor that I'm normally on in ICUC and getting to see everyone after my week-long hiatus It was great just being able to do my patient workups, catch up with those who were still in the ICU, as well as take a look and start evaluating the new patients that had been admitted within the time that had passed. And of course, to talk about the episode title, as I always do, I wanted to say welcome to my TED Talk, which is not really my TED Talk, but at the end of this episode, I'll share with you all a little fun activity I got to partake in this week and kind of just connect with some friends from pharmacy school, which is always super nice, especially now that we're not only all over the place due to appies, but especially in these times of COVID. So I thought it'd be a fun little twist to throw in there something that's going on in my life that isn't necessarily clinically related to pharmacy but definitely something that means a lot to me as well as the people that are involved with it because it definitely is one of the highlights from pharmacy school so I definitely had to throw that in there but without further ado let's get into my week. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and start with the ICU because honestly, where else would we start? And so I jumped right back in. I worked up the entire floor and I was using the patient list, like I mentioned I had been doing previously. And so the important information I like to capture on there on a daily basis is the fishbone diagram. So that includes their sodium, their potassium, chloride, bicarb, BUN, serum creatinine, and their most recent blood glucose reading. And that may not always be the most accurate picture. I think something that's really important that I've learned about diabetes management, as many of you can probably resonate with, is tracking trends and seeing when patients fluctuate, whether they go hyper or hypo, Um, seeing how their coverage is working for them is really important. But again, just to have a baseline to see if they're within that 140 to 180 range that we want to keep our ICU patients within. Something else that's really interesting in a way that this rotation differs from a traditional internal medicine rotation is that all patients in the ICU are immediately placed on sliding scale insulin. And so basically this is just having an order on board in the case that a patient who isn't normally a diabetic ends up having any sort of hyperglycemia and so we can control that. This is especially prevalent in the ICU because patients are on under a lot of stress, they are on steroids, their eating is inconsistent and so we just wanna be mindful of that and note that there may be changes that the patient doesn't experience outpatient. You could totally have a patient who is not a diabetic at all and we could still see some spikes. So again, just having that on board just in case because we really wanna keep patients controlled. Other things I want to note are any changes that were made over the last 24 hours medication-wise, as well as their stress ulcer prophylaxis and their VTE prophylaxis, if they have any on board, evaluating if they need it, uh, should it be added, if they don't need it, should it be removed, should any adjustments be made to that, anything like that. And that's what I add on my paper. I, of course, evaluate the patient entirely through Epic. And so I'm checking off the different things I want to take a look at following the workflow that I mentioned from the monitoring sheets uh, that I used during the first two weeks. But now I've gotten really comfortable with it and know exactly how I want to start delving into a patient. But that making sure when I do have my paper on rounds, it has all of the pertinent information as far as just having a general picture of what the patient looks like in addition to my recommendation so that's the last thing that i include what I like to do is I like to leave open boxes throughout my paper. That way it's things that I remember to address and I can either check them off as being accepted or I can X through them and write an explanation as to maybe it's something we're going to reevaluate later down the line, like ending antibiotics, um, waiting for a culture growth to come back, um, or if it's accepted, like perhaps if a patient's experiencing tachycardia and they have a metoprolol on board, maybe we can up the dose to help with that especially because we see a lot of STEMI and STEMI heart failure patients, just something that I thought I'd bring up. But that's been really helpful. It's been a great way to kind of consolidate all of my thoughts onto a piece of paper and only write down the important things. But again, continuing to train my brain, I guess, to work through my workflow. That way I don't have to write every single thing down because um, sometimes patients tend to be quite stable. And so you don't need to really keep writing down every day that their sodium is within normal limits which is great that's perfect we love to see that but again making sure that i note the important things are they having any sort of fever are there is their white blood cell count up did their cultures come back are we noticing any shift in their electrolytes what's the renal function looking like again because we do this on a daily basis it's really great to also have these papers to refer back to if you want to see any trends and whatnot. And of course, Epic is your best friend. I know sometimes it can feel like battling with the devil or whatnot, but I promise you, once you start to figure out where everything is in Epic and navigate through it much more efficiently, you'll start to realize just how well it captures a lot of the information that you'll need to evaluate your patients. So Something that I just thought was really great was being able to just jump back into that. And an additional thing that I've taken on now that I've become really comfortable with working at patients is now typing all of their daily interventions. So for every patient now, I type our rounding report. I also now on top of the TPNs and the Vanco notes that I was typing, I now also do glycemic control notes. So I'm dosing insulin and whatnot, which is very interesting, especially in the ICU, because some patients are on an insulin drip. We also have patients that come in with DKA. So learning about that protocol and figuring out how I want to time everything is super important while tracking their anion gap, their bicarb, all of these different things. At the same time, I have now also uh, started typing up the warfarin dosing note and then basically anything, I'm doing it all now. So it's been really great becoming even more independent, again, pushing myself further because I definitely want to become as autonomous as possible. And so I really appreciate my preceptors allowing me the opportunity to act that out because I think it's really important, especially... As we move forward every single day toward taking boards and residency and whatnot, just to become as comfortable as possible. And of course, being in the ICU meant that I got to work with the med students again, which I really, really enjoy working with other learners because we're all kind of at the same place in our journey toward becoming healthcare professionals and so it leads to really great conversation and I feel like I learned so so much from them and we just have a really great time. Rounding also just when we're all working on our own things, just sitting at the computers and talking. I just feel like those types of conversations are so awesome and we both learn from one another and so it offers me the opportunity to talk about things that I know about while also listening to them and hearing things that they have more knowledge about because we both have our strengths. And so I think it's great that we can help each each other out by being able to talk freely and openly and just bounce ideas off one another ask questions it gets us to think critically as well which i think is such a valuable skill especially when it comes to being in the icu and trying to come up with new ideas and thoughts and complicated patient cases so that's something that i've really enjoyed and as i mentioned i was in icud for the first time and so i met the two med students up there who were fantastic um Really great getting to meet them and work with them. But of course, then I had my friends on ICUc who I'd been with for the two weeks prior to my time in transitions of care. And so it was great just getting back into things. I think on rounding, it helps to ask each other questions when we're following, I follow all of the patients and then they each have like two to three that they follow. And so it's great getting to talk to one another about ideas that we have or reasons why we have these recommendations or as far as them assessing their patient, what that means for long term outcomes, barriers to moving forward, and whatnot. And then, of course, they have med questions. I think something that's so interesting is that at least the med school students that I work with are really big on generic names. And so it's crazy how important it is to know your brand generics. And something I mentioned I wanted to be better at, and I definitely have gotten better at. And so I definitely am now the translator between the two which has been exciting i love being able to have that knowledge at the same time we talk a lot about therapies why not one over another because they know all the treatment algorithms as well but i think something that's so great as a pharmacist is understanding the nuance as to why this may be a recommendation and while this may be a treatment option the reason we start here the reason we want to do this or that is where our knowledge comes in and our specialty and our knowledge base is really what makes pharmacy such a valuable piece of the puzzle in addition to everybody else and so I don't know I really look forward to having that opportunity and I think interdisciplinary rounds and as I continue forward continuing to work with other people that aren't in pharmacy per se but to learn from them and then continue to build upon my own skill set is going to be amazing I just love this stuff I don't know if y'all can tell but this is I was just so stoked to be back Uh, the other awesome thing about all of this is that when procedures go down in the ICU or other places the med students try their hands at them depending on what it is but a specific case is bronchoscopies and so this is where they stick an exploratory scope into a patient's. Normally a patient's intubated, um, and so they use that opportunity to take a look into their lungs. And so they'll guide the scope into the different lobes and they'll do a lavage. And so they'll inject water in order to collect a sample from different areas. You can do it for exploratory purposes to look at masses. And so you can take a biopsy, so you can go in there and cut out a piece of the tissue if you need to. You can also do it to take a look at aspirational pneumonia. If you just want to get a culture from the area, it's really useful. And so the attending for the week went ahead and did it first and was explaining it. And then both of the med students got to do it. And then we all were talking about reasons we would want to go ahead and do a bronchoscopy, complications, uh, things like that. What it's even like to use the scope because it looks pretty straightforward, right? But at the same time, you can tell it's not like the most intuitive thing. It's all in the wrist. Apparently, I feel like that's a universal situation for some reason. But the way the med students describe it, it's like using a joystick and one of those like really old arcade games in your left hand and then using your right hand to guide the scope and move it around. And so I was watching on the screen while they did it. And it's just such a cool experience to like all be able to be in the room together to talk about Um, And then, of course, like, talking about that patient in particular, like, med students hadn't, like, caught up on their case yet, so I was reading the note beforehand about why we were even going into the lungs and all that. So, again, so much great conversation happening, and I love it. Love it so much. It's so freaking great. I can't even begin to explain to you just how awesome it is, and I think it also – Goes back to not being afraid to introduce yourself to people because it definitely took breaking down like the initial barrier of hi, I'm so and so, and getting to know one another because we definitely weren't like this on the very first day that they started. So, again, just really great working together. Um, I also have topic discussions which they sometimes sit in on, which is fantastic. I normally do them just out in the open with my preceptor for the day, and this week I did, let me think, atrial fibrillation. I also did VTE, so DVT and PE prophylaxis, and on Friday, the last one I had was CHF exacerbation. It was an awesome week because I'm really, really into cardio as well. Like I mentioned, I think the heart is awesome. I always loved learning about the anatomy of it, not that it changes, but you know what I mean. I always loved learning about the heart throughout undergrad and then in pharmacy school yet again, Um, and so it was a really heart-heavy week for me, and It was really great just being able to delve into that. So they actually sat in as well and it was awesome because they offered their insight about what they knew about the disease state and asked questions about the treatment algorithm. Like why would we go with one drug over another? What are the baselines? What are we looking for? Things like that. Again, just really awesome being able to speak to other people who are in the same position as me, but are experts in one area and I'm an expert in another. Well, we'll both eventually be experts in our individual areas but you get what I'm saying. So yeah, again, just something I wanted to highlight and touch upon because this coming week will be my last week with them. They actually finish on Friday, um, but I still have one more week after that. So we were just talking about that as well. It's a little bit of a sad day, but again, we'll have a great rest of this week. And yeah, I wanted to share that because I think if there's any opportunity to get to know people, because you also never know when you're going to cross paths later in life, it's just, in general, an awesome experience, and I cannot stress it enough, and just how grateful I am also to have met them because they truly have been amazing colleagues, and I feel like I've learned so so much from having had this opportunity with them. And I also wanted to talk about some really cool disease states that I had an opportunity to look at this week. I've mentioned before that in the ICU, we see a lot of NSTEMI, stemI, especially after PCI or another acute procedure, and we need to monitor the patient closely. We get a lot of heart failure, exacerbation patients, any respiratory failure, of course, patients who can't keep their airway protected and need to be intubated or need some sort of oxygen support are placed in the ICU. COVID, of course, is something else. Um, We don't keep all COVID patients in the ICU, but some that are in severely critical condition, of course, end up in the ICU. We also have a lot of Um, ODs that come into the ICU, especially when they're intubated upon arriving, Uh, alcohol withdrawal, severe skin infections also come up to the ICU, especially if they're in sepsis or if they're experiencing septic shock, that of course is a reason to come up to the ICU. So we see all of these different things. I've been fortunate enough to get really familiar with, of course, DKA is another one. We monitor their blood sugars very closely. Um, We put them on insulin protocols and whatnot. I've seen a lot of hyponatremia as of late, so learning about that disease state a little bit. There's a very nice chart online if you ever want to look up the different breakdown of hyponatremia. It's definitely very um, nuanced, but I think it's important to go through if you ever witnessed it or seen it as appear in the hospital setting. Um, there's just different things to take into consideration with serum osmolality, urine osmolality, the patient's volume status, um, things like that. But two really cool things that I got a chance to see this week were a patient with postural hypotension. And so actually working within the team to figure out a therapy that might actually work for her because it wasn't very well controlled. So I'll talk about that for a little bit as well as a patient with broken heart syndrome. And so I feel like maybe it was on Grey's Anatomy. Maybe it was a different medical show. I don't know. I feel like I watch way too many of those. But I had heard of it previously. I kind of knew vaguely that it was something that occurs. But basically, broken heart syndrome is also called stress-induced cardiomyopathy. And so it can sometimes appear to be like an NSTEMI. And the name of it's also called uh, Takasubo Car- Cardiomyopathy. And it can happen to you even if you're totally healthy. And so basically, just reading off like the AHA website. So it's I give you the proper information. Women are more likely than men to experience it. And it's a sudden intense chest pain. And it's usually a reaction to the surge of stress hormones. And it can usually be brought on by an emotionally stressful event. So like the death of a loved one, a divorce, a breakup, a physical separation, a betrayal or romantic rejection. Um, So those are like more on the negative end, or even if it's like a good shock that can also release stress hormones and cause the same sort of chest pain. So, of course, it's traditionally related to people who have lost a loved one and so their heart breaks. But, of course, it can also be related to weather. And so California and actually the entire West Coast is currently experiencing very severe wildfires. And so that can also be stressful to patients and like other natural disasters can also have that same effect. So I thought it was really cool to look into. Um, there isn't a treatment per se medically, or I mean, medication wise, there is medically. Um, it's as far as in this patient's case, managing their heart failure in addition to experiencing this cardiomyopathy. So that was really cool to take a look at. I just had never seen it in a chart before. And so i had also just never heard of it in real life happening to somebody. So I thought that was super cool. And then back to the patient with the postural hypotension, they had tried other medications. And as much as we tried to optimize those, we had to look into alternative therapies. And there is one drug that's FDA approved for it called droxidopa or Northera. But something we wanted to take into consideration before starting the patient on this in the hospital is would she be able to afford it in the outpatient setting? Because as great as it would be to be able to give this to the patient while she's in the hospital, see that it works. If she goes home, is unable to afford the medication and can't take the medication, then she will continue to experience the symptoms and that puts her in an unsafe space and we definitely don't want to send somebody home and set them up for failure. So this was a really cool opportunity for me to work with all the different people in the healthcare team. And so I started off by having the physician send a script to her pharmacy. That way I could have case management follow-up with the pharmacy to see what her copay would be. We knew it would be high and so case management is now working on a PA. They were able to get it approved and in doing so we we're able to start the medication inpatient and patient was downgraded so I'm guessing uh, her condition was getting better and whatnot. So now we're gonna try this drug and we'll follow up in the coming week to see if it's working out for her. But again also thinking about is this going to be beneficial for the patient in the long run? Like it's great if we're able to downgrade them from the ICU to the floor. It's great if we're able to control them within the hospital when they're being monitored. But you also have to consider that eventually patients go home and you want them to stay home more often than they stay in the hospital. And so if this drug works for her while she's here, we want to give her the best shot at staying out of the hospital and having that same situation play out for her in the real world. So Again, just all things to consider in pharmacy. It's not just about knowing a therapy and knowing that this could potentially work for a patient, but also understanding the socioeconomic part behind it, the psychological part, um, understanding that people have lives and restraints and things like that, that you have to work around. And that's part of our job and part of the critical thinking that takes place is how are we going to go ahead and approach the situation? Because as much as you can know the answer and know what's right, it's very different to have that be applied in a real life situation. So I just thought I would go ahead and share about that. And then the last thing I wanted to touch upon before wrapping things up is that this past week, I actually ended up giving a TED talk of sorts about The Bachelor with one of my best friends from pharmacy school who crazy enough, we literally became friends because of The Bachelor. She's in the class above me. And so she was actually the orientation director for my incoming class. And so she mentioned on her panel, like question and answer situation that she watches The Bachelor. And I had made it like a personal goal for myself to be really outgoing at the beginning of pharmacy school and like throughout pharmacy school too, of course. But To really go out of my way to get to know people and be outgoing and just to get to know the people in my class and in the other classes as well. So I thought, you know what? Why not start off strong with striking up a conversation with the orientation director about The Bachelor? And who would have known that at that point we'd be like best friends two, three years down the road? She's actually my P2 buddy as well as my big and my frat, which is just the funniest thing ever. And actually, this whole TED Talk situation was a rush event for the P1s to come and check out. And My Little is actually one of the Pledge parents in addition to another co-Pledge parent. And they have been doing such a killer job with it. And so My Big and I were like, let's absolutely do something. Um, She made the PowerPoint. It looked fantastic. She had this whole script done up. It was awesome. And then we literally just went ahead and presented it to everyone. And I thought it was so much fun. Honestly, The Bachelor cannot recommend it highly enough. I think if you haven't watched it, definitely try. I think this new season is definitely going to have a lot to offer as far as uniqueness, as far as twists and turns and drama. If you watched it and you didn't like it, perhaps reconsider. And if you watch it and you love it, literally hit me up. I'm always down to talk about it. It's amazing. I love it. It's a staple in my life at this point. But yeah, it was awesome just to be able to reflect on those memories and just get to share The Bachelor with others. And it's so crazy how much has changed from the last time we watched a season together. I think it was Peter's season and having everyone come over and we would do like wine and charcuterie boards and have dessert and all of this type of stuff. It was a whole big thing once a week and I totally missed that. So it was cool to be able to reminisce upon those fun times and hopefully one day get back to doing that type of stuff because Honestly, it's just fun being able to bond with other people over it. And actually, the friend's house that we watch it at is my big's house, and she and her roommates always put up decorations and the best part is is that they hang up pictures of all the contestants on their wall and then we go through on the first night and we put post-it notes for who we think is going to get the first impression rose and who's going to get the first kiss and honestly it's just such a fun time and I totally miss it but one day hopefully we can get back to it because it's definitely one of the highlights from pharmacy school for me. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode. I know it's on the shorter end and I kind of like this new format only because it offers me the opportunity to kind of just go over what I did in general because my day-to-day doesn't change too often, especially on these rotations where It's very much like this is my ICU rotation. I'll be in the ICU. Of course, I touch upon other things like transitions of care, but moving forward, it'll definitely continue to be very solid in my rotation, and so I won't be doing too, too much different on a week-to-week basis. So I hope that this has been a great way to kind of get some insight into what my week looked like, touch upon some things I want to talk about, because of course, like I've said before, there's always things happening in the ICU, and so I'll try to definitely highlight those as I move forward in any rotation. But again, like always, love being able to talk to you all. and Thank you so much for your kind words, all of you who have reached out as of late, I feel like it means the world to me. And I hope everyone's doing really well in whatever part of the world you're in. Right now, California is pretty crazy with these wildfires. So huge shout out to the firefighters. And I hope everyone's trying to find a way to breed safe. I know indoors can be a little bit tricky. Outdoors is really tricky right now. So yeah, just staying safe, staying healthy, taking care of yourself, looking out for your loved ones, and being kind to other people. I feel like that's super important during these times as well. Actually on a daily basis, just in life. It's a good motto. Be kind. So with that being said, thank you all again. I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy. Wear a mask and when November comes around, remember to vote. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye. <music>